Before we get started, we wanted to take a moment to thank Baptist Health for being our community champion sponsor. Baptist Health exists to promote and improve the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of the people and communities it serves. Find out more at BaptistFirst.org. Welcome to Everything Joy to Life, where we offer those affected by breast cancer a place to share their stories, provide insightful information from members of the medical community, and share a variety of engaging lifestyle content to help you live your best life. Through it all, we promote the life-saving mission of the Joy to Life Foundation, which is to provide free mammograms and other breast cancer screenings to the medically underserved in Alabama, build and support breast cancer awareness among all Alabamians, and promote overall good health, well-being, and education throughout the state. I'm your host, Tommy Fields, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joy Blondheim. Hi, Joy. Hey, Tommy. As we say, Joy puts the joy in Joy to Life. <laughs> well, and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, we've known you for years, so I think we can, we can say that with a high degree of certainty. Thank you, Tommy. All Right. And on the phone, we have Dickie Blondheim. Hi, Dickie. Hey, guys. Great to be with y'all. And also joining us today, we have Betsy Stallworth. She is the recruitment coordinator for Auburn University's Murner Lab in the Department of Pathobiology. Hi, Betsy. Hi, how are you today? Doing good. And also Dr. Nancy Murner. We have two Nancys with us today. Our producer, Nancy Fields, is here as well. But Dr. Nancy Murner, she's an assistant professor at Auburn and the principal investigator in the uh, field of pathobiology. Did I get that right? Well, the pathobiology is my department. Ah. Principal investigator of the gene machine and the whole concept, which ties us to joy to life. Speaking of the gene machine, that's how you guys all kind of got hooked up together, right, Joy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nancy, it was... Even before the gene machine was here, or you know, you you had reached out, I think, to uh, Carrie Nelson Hale, and uh, y'all started a conversation, and then Carrie brought us in, and I met you when you were speaking, I think, at her church downtown Montgomery years it's, ago. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we've known each other for almost eight years because it's you know. It was, I think it was 2014 when we met. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was before the whole development of the gene machine, but w- trying to develop a research program with all those same com- uh, concepts, but without the physical bus. And you right. and Carrie and, you know, Sisters Can Survive Coalition, you were our first partners to help us, like, bridge gaps and connect with the community. It was exciting. It sounded exciting. And we, we were just so honored to be brought into this and to be able to partner. Yeah. Let's go ahead and pump the brakes on this. We, we've said Gene Machine several times, but for those who do not know, who would like to tell us exactly what the Gene Machine is, what it does, and why it came into being? Okay, I'll... I'll I'll go. For those of you first. who can't see, Betsy's pointing at Nancy. It's your project. It's your project. Well, okay. taking a little bit of step back, I'm a geneticist. So I've been trained. I'm from Newfoundland, Canada. So that's where I did my PhD. And I'm a trained like gene hunter, per se. So I look for genes that increase risk or cause disease. Okay. And so when I started working in Auburn, I developed a breast cancer genetics program. Um, and, but being in Alabama, severely medically underserved, as Joy to Life knows, mm-hmm. I couldn't go the traditional routes of trying to find people to participate in the study, like just through hospital recruitment, because, you know, there's a lot, you know, and a lot of trust issues and everything. So it's like, I wanted to reach out to the community. So we started community-based recruitment. Um, and that's where Joy and Carrie all came in because we were trying to reach people through the state, building trust, educating about cancer risk factors, including genetics, and trying to s- try to 
give answers to people why it's in their family. Okay. And you decided to do this with a big pink bus. <laughs> so a couple years into developing the program, I got an internal grant at Auburn, and it funded the bus, and it also funded uh, the position now that Betsy has, and it just grew from there. I actually had money just for a vehicle, and I was thinking just a car, because initially I was driving my vehicle all around right. the state, um, and then I was like, mm, okay, go big or go home, so then, <laughs> yeah, we got, it's an old athletic bus, so it is old, but we made Very it, old. but we made, <laughs> we made it pretty, we put a wrap on it, it is, you know, we've had it, it's been on the road now since 2017, but we drive it to all events, whether it is a breast cancer specific event, or a Relay for Life, but we go there to connect with people in the community and we also the inside is all renovated so that um, we can actually consent people on the bus for the study nice. so we have phlebotomy chairs and everything in there so we can go just to a recruitment event or we can actually go and have an enrollment appointment and park at a place of convenience for the person so it really uh, bridges those gaps for people that have transportation issues or people living in rural Alabama who couldn't participate otherwise oh yeah I can imagine somebody sees that rolling into their community they're like okay something's going on because if you've ever seen the gene machine it is hard to ignore I guarantee you it's, but and it's, it's fun too to see the faces of people oh, as sure. we drive by and the, the necks turning and but you know at these events it's wonderful because it's a talking point so people are curious about it kids come up they think they're going to get some ice cream I disappoint yeah. them but <laughs> then though I invite them into the bus and we start having a conversation about genetics and you know you get a seventh or eighth grader on there and they're like oh I know what that is I'm learning about that in school really but their parent or their grandparent are you know are like I who did not get that depth of education so early on so it's really um, a great outreach too maybe maybe what you guys need to add is like one of those little things that plays a tune you know like you know (laughs) little mechanical turkey in the straw that'll definitely help as far as you know getting people over there then you can break it because you're going to have to let them down anyway because there's obviously no ice cream so it's like hey now that you're here though let's go ahead and talk to you about genetic testing when you first started though did you get pushback from people were people fearful to talk with you or to to uh, give information or to discuss it well what was the reaction that that's a tough one because i knew going in that trust was going to be an issue um, but typically, when I go to an education event or or a community event, I just I'm we're just ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many people tell me after, even if I just had to give a little talk and not the full education mm-hmm. session, um, I've had people walk up to me and say like, I, I really believe in what you do, like. Um, and I can't, it's almost something from the heart, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, researchers don't have to be scary. I'm a mom, you know, I'm a runner. Like, and, but I understand why, you know, whether it's your doctor or a researcher or whatever, that, you know, you could look at them differently and just question. But when you just show them your intentions and build relationships, like if somebody actually participates in the study, it's not, hi, thank you, and goodbye. Betsy reaches out. We give updates. 
We have the Facebook page to stay connected because we don't want people to feel, oh, I just gave you a blood sample or a saliva sample and you're forgetting about me. It's like, no, we're just, we're just trying to stay connected as much as possible because I actually remember one of the very first things that Carrie said to me. She was like, so many researchers have reached out to me in the past being like, you know, the head of Sisters Consumer right. Coalition. And as soon as the money runs out, they're gone. And I, you know, and that stuck with me because it's like, you know, no, we're going to go back every year. Your breast cancer walk, let's go back. You know, and it's just, and actually there is a particular event um, in East Alabama that we go to every year. And I remember after the fourth time we've gone there, there was an individual that basically said, I trust you now, Nancy, four years later, you know? Yeah. So that's the purpose. Dickie, did you have a question? Yeah, I did. Oh. What exactly is the process of, of donating a gene to be studied? So we initially started everything in person, so that's why the gene machine was so important. Once we identified people through our community partners or at an event, they would fill out a contact form, and then when we get back to the lab, we would contact them to you know have an enrollment appointment, which, with all the conversation, would take an hour. Um, and we fill out consent forms. And this is not like going to the doctor where it's like, please sign here, there, there, there. And you kind of like sign and not know what you're signing. Betsy takes you through every line. And especially for people that don't know how to read so easily, she read, you know, paraphrases it so they know what we're getting into. But ultimately, it tells them that they're participating in a genetic study that's trying to find genetic risk factors of breast cancer. And if they donate a blood sample or a, or a saliva sample, um, we'll extract their DNA, initially screen it for what we know today to increase risk of breast cancer. But then, um, then we get into the gene hunting mode. And if they were negative for what we know today, we continue searching. And that, that's, that's the exciting thing, trying to find people answers eventually in discovering new things. If I can jump in here, enrolling um, people into this study, you know, they've, they're breast cancer survivors. And so they, they bring a very um, unique energy to the process. And um, it's a real privilege to, to get to, to work with people. Um, who've been, you know, who kind of gone this route or had this um, experience in their life and then being able to really um, have a deeper conversation. And it's not like a a clinical Mm -hmm. um, situation where it's we're you know, we're on a time we got to get we got to get through. We got to get through. There's really we have enough space and time to be able to answer questions and um, and listen. And that's um, and then I bet it makes them feel comfortable that they could yeah. be helping to yeah. save lives yeah. and future generations. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, you know, and that's one of the things that I explained to them is that, you know, by being a study participant, you are now a team member and you're part right. of our team and, and, and you're not only helping us as researchers, but you're helping your children and your children's children and your, the, the entire community. And so um, it's a real... And in, it, I enrolled somebody yesterday, and she, and this was a virtual enrollment, so we were looking at each other. She was in uh, Birmingham, and I was at it actually in my office, and I explained that to her, and just to be able to see her 
expression. And, you know, she's just been recently diagnosed. So it was, you know, it was kind of nice to see this, um, this kind of relief of oh, like, yeah. oh, well, there is something good coming from this. So it was really nice. Yeah. To so see. Betsy mentioned virtual enrollments. So we had to become creative through the pandemic because we weren't able to get physically beyond the G machine and on the road. So it's either, you know, we stop and do nothing or we were just like, well, how are we going to survive through the pandemic and be still reach people, but not physically be with people. And so we IRB is something that you have to, it's a called Institutional Review Board, where all of our projects are approved, like the ethics behind them and everything is approved before we carry out anything. And so we went back to the IRB and we were like, okay, we need to be able to carry out virtual enrollments. You know, this could be scary to some people, but like if Betsy on Zoom, because I'm sure everybody has heard Zoom now. Oh, goodness, yes. Um, <laughs> if too we, much. If we, hear, if we use Zoom as a mechanism to still connect with people, um, she can mail them kits, and that's what she does. So I mentioned blood and saliva. We used to only collect blood because it's a really good source of DNA. But now, like, with limited connections, it's like, okay, let's get approval to also collect saliva and extract DNA from saliva. Then let's do virtual enrollments through Zoom. And so Betsy talks them through the whole, even the collection process. She, she is, Betsy is so awesome at this job. She <laughs> literally, like, she gets to know them. And then she's, like, kind of, like, sh they don't know why she's asking these questions. But, like, she'll find out that they love donuts. So right before they're spitting in a tube, her background is a donut. And so <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to, you know... <laughs> But yeah, the juices flowing. So. <laughs> know your audience. Yes, and Betsy absolutely. does. That's absolutely. great. That's amazing. So yeah, so that's another option. And then like, and so the G machine was, we came about this idea to reach people and overcome transportation barriers. But now we're finding virtual enrollments is just taking it to the next level. Betsy wasn't able to enroll people in three different locations in Alabama this weekend um, from her office at home because it was convenient for them because that one worked at a bank and this and that they can't enroll nine to five. So she had three different uh, recruitment or uh, enrollment appointments, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. And they That's just fantastic. Went yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's and there were, and we exciting. also had confessions about that. We may, we may or may not have been wearing pajamas underneath our, <laughs> underneath <laughs> our, our uh, shirts on t that, that was hey, showing. And, and that, that always, whatever's off camera well, doesn't exactly. matter. And the, but it, you know, but it does. I mean, it's really, it's about becoming approachable and, sure. and, um, and connecting and, um, and, and yeah, feeling a big part of a bigger thing. So, uh -huh. well, now, uh, obviously, uh, when we're talking about genetic testing, I'm thinking about things that I see on TV, like, you know, Ancestry.com or 23andMe. Has any, any of that kind of maybe brought the, the barrier for entry down maybe for people to where it's like, okay, I kind of have a little bit of an idea about what you're talking about here, but I didn't know this was something that could help as far as my health. And things like that, or, or, or even spot my potential for breast cancer. Yeah, so what we do is very specific. And typically the type, so I make this clear, we do research testing, okay, because I'm a research lab. And even though I can provide a report to someone, we, all, we also provide the steps to 
bridge the gap between research and clinical. So we can connect them with genetic counselors. We can connect them with genetic testing so that it can all be clinically validated after what we detect. Okay. What we detect, I... We cannot be used for any medical right. management. Okay. So it's, it's, it's pure research screening. And that is like... You know, some people look at that as like, okay, well, I don't want this on my record. I want to go this research route because I'll find out if I have something. But then, you know, if they're afraid of the insurance issues, which were issues years ago, um, they're like, okay, I trust you. I want to get the screening through you. But then, but we do provide that mechanism too to like, here's a genetic counselor, and then they'll provide all these modes um, to get it clinically validated. But back to your question, Tommy, um, this is people have to follow very strict criteria to mm -hmm. get into our study because it's a form of hereditary cancer. So I'm sure everybody can think of some disease in their family that, you know, oh, mom mom had a stroke or mom had breast cancer or dad had prostate cancer. Like, I'm sure we all are aware of diseases that are in our family. But when it clusters in, like, multiple generations and early ages of onset, like under 45, there's hallmark characteristics mm -hmm. of, of the cancers that we're studying. And so a lot of times people don't know that. And one, one key fact too, even though I say we're studying hereditary breast cancer, hereditary breast cancer is also associated with prostate cancer, with male breast cancer, ah. um, and ovarian even- Ovarian cancer. Yeah, ovarian cancer. Pancreatic, yeah. So when we start talking to people and they just maybe being one mind, it's like, I don't have any breast cancer in my family, but maybe it came from dad's side and dad had prostate cancer. Or even like, you know, we didn't say colon. Sometimes colon cancer mm -hmm. is linked to breast cancer. So it's a lot of teaching, but it's also, it's like basically what we run is a hereditary cancer panel. So any genes that we know that increase risk to some like, a lot of hereditary cancer cases is what we screen. So it's not in competition with that because they're more so those companies are looking for general risk. Oh, we can predict if you have a higher chance of getting diabetes. You know, it's not this whole one gene, one disease kind right, of right. deal. Okay. So we're building on building the education on top yeah. of their experience yeah. of what they've heard. And, um, and we do, you know, I know people... I have to explain to folks, it's that, you know, we're going to take your DNA from the, your, the sample that you give, and it'll go to um, our lab tech, Isaac, and he'll take the DNA out of that sample, and then he'll get it into a format. It'll change from a physical format to a digital format. And so, and then we just will read, read your DNA. And that's a simple, it's a very oversimplification for a process that I do well, not understand some, because it is some not of us need it that way, experience. So, so I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just a nurse, so I don't know. I, I, but it seems, you know, people then understand. So I said, you know, it goes from being in this tube to a computer screen. Right. And then it's run. And so, and these are processes that we, over these last 20 years of, of, digitalness and digital sharing, mm -hmm. um, we can build on that on our knowledge bases. And so people seem to, um, that, you know, they, it's, it, it makes sense. So without having to know the, the minutia of, you know, the, the spe specific parts of. But it also might reduce fear because if everyone's hearing it now, these buzzwords right it it might help but you know we we haven't really looked into that like but no one has said oh I already, some people have told us 
I've already had gene screening and I'm negative, so I don't have to worry about it. Now, that's a, a subject that needs education as well, because we only know if we screen all the known hereditary breast cancer genes right now, if you take a, a group of 100 hereditary breast cancer cases, we're only going to solve 30% of them or less with what we know today. So the, the people that approach me and say, oh, I don't need to join the study, I'm negative, I'm good. It's like, well, that's a false sense of security. You're negative for what we know today. There's still at least 70% out there that we don't know. You're actually the person that I'm looking for because we need to know why you are at risk or, or it's in your family because it's yet to be discovered. So, you know, it's just there's just so much. So it's complex, and a lot of people don't understand those concepts. Okay. It's comp complex, but y'all are doing a great job oh. of explaining this because, really, <laughs> really it's you. very interesting. Thank you. Very interesting. Dickie, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. I just wanted to ask Nancy or Betsy, how many breast cancer genes are known about? I mean, do you know about? That That's a tough question because breast cancer risk can be associated with three different types of variants. Um, high-risk variants, where if you have a, a high-risk variant, your lifetime risk is like over 60% of developing breast cancer. Like if you have a, uh, a mutation in BRCA1 or 2 or BRCA1 and 2, which a lot of people have heard of, mm -hmm. um, your lifetime risk can actually be as high as 80% if you have one mutation in those genes. But there's also genes that um, have moderate risk. So maybe it increased your risk twofold. So instead of like the average lifetime risk of an, um, an average American woman being 12 to 13%, it doubles to tw just say 24. And then there's low risk genes. So the genetics is very complicated. The low risk genes only might increase your risk by 1.5%. And so these are not clinically relevant at the moment, but we know with every little one of these variants that you have, your risk slightly increases. So we go from BRCA1 and 2 and another handful of genes that are that severe. You have this, you know, your lifetime risk is huge to, oh, you have some moderate risk variants and you have these low risk variants. So it's very complicated. So the number of genes you can say are hundreds, but that's including those low risk ones as well. The clinically relevant ones are of a list of like, you can count on your hands for breast cancer, maybe a little bit more if you're looking at other hereditary cancer syndromes. So does that answer your question? Uh, well, yeah, but, but what's really interesting about that is I had no idea there were different variances that were involved with the genes. And that, but that would probably allow women or men to determine whether they should take remove their breast uh, now or wait till later and, and, and uh, think about it, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Those high risk, the high risk mutations in those high risk genes, those are ones, they're clinically relevant because it means something. If you have a mutation in a clinically relevant gene, your lifetime risk is at least 60% with that one mutation. And that's the important information that we need to give back to women. Because if they have it, Look, most of the people that participate in their study, the criteria is they've already had breast cancer, but where this really helps is their family members and this and that. So, it's, you know, because if we find that mutation and it's like, hey, get your daughters to come in or 
we can screen them, like research-based, or if we tell you we found that, you can connect, we can connect you with the physicians to get clinical screening and proper management for your daughters because, you know. And your sons. I was going to say, bring bring your sons in as well. Well, the only thing with sons, we do have to recognize that men can get breast cancer, and most of the men that get breast cancer are hereditary cases, Mm -hmm. but... An average lifetime risk of breast cancer for an average woman is just, say, 12%. An average lifetime risk for a man is less than 1%. So mo- it's not on most men's radar. But if they have a mutation, that one BRCA1 mutation that increases a woman's risk to 80, the man's lifetime risk goes up to, like, 12%. So it's still like, oh, well, not you know, all women are walking around with this 12% lifetime risk. So... They still have to be worried about it, but it's still, it's um, very rare. But if they have kids. If they have, yes. So firstly, if they have this mutation, their lifetime of breast cancer increased by 12%, up to 12%. They're also at increased risk of prostate cancer. But yes, they, another misunderstanding is that you can inherit a breast cancer gene from your father. So your father might never ever develop breast cancer because of that low risk for males, but pass it to his daughter who might get it in her 20s or 30s because it's higher risk in females. So that's mm. another issue, yeah, that's with especially with insurance because some insurance companies actually don't recognize breast cancer. They don't they say, "Oh, it has to be on your mom's side for us to cover it." And it's like, "No, it's autosomal dominant, which in the genetics field means it's 50% from mom or dad." You know, so it's like you can easily inherit a breast cancer gene from your father father who didn't have to have breast cancer didn't even have to have relatives with breast cancer it could have been all males in the family and some of them had prostate cancer just linking that up and being more broad and thinking of all cancers in your family wow well now i know we've actually talked to a couple of women who they referred to as pre-vivors because they actually did the genetic testing they decided, okay, my risk is at a point where I don't really want to just wait. And I think that's what Dickie was referring to is the fact that they have taken preventative measures Mm -hmm. by removing that breast tissue. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and nip this in the bud, so to speak, and go ahead and take care of this. That way my risk factor, it may, it's obviously not going to go away, but I feel like my odds are a heck of a lot better than they were majorly like so and we all heard of angelina jolie who did this. so she yes. is a yeah a braca i can't remember if she's braca one or two carrier but she took those preventative measures which she removed um her breast so she had a mastectomy a preventative mastectomy mm-hmm. at first and then i think she moved forward and did the preventative oophorectomy as well so she moved her, removed her ovaries now one thing about this is you know you have to have access to care mm. to have this done and you also have to have insurance or money to carry out these procedures so that's a whole other issue sure uh, but you know what even if you can't prevent it early detection is the key oh well so, and, and just having the knowledge mm-hmm. obviously is going to take the, give people just that much of a better chance to go ahead and make sure and make choices for their health that are going to make a world of difference and that's where joy to life comes in because providing those free mammograms if someone knows that they're a mutation carrier they can try to get those ma- yearly mammograms and just take more in charge. Like a 30-year-old who it wouldn't even be on their radar, at least following the clinical management strategies 
uh, for early detection at minimum. And it's all about saving lives, right, Joy? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, 100%. I was going to tell you, um, Nancy and Betsy, that when I had breast cancer um, all those years ago in 1997, of course, they know so much more than even then now. But I was in a, a clinical a trial for uh, Taxol. It wasn't routine then. Yeah. And so I had the you Taxol. Helped. Yeah. And for 20, those 25 years, I have felt so good because they'll track me now forever. Yeah. Yeah. I have felt so good that I was a part of Taxol becoming routine treatment. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with, with women when they work with y'all, you know, if they've just got to have just a, an overwhelming, wonderful feeling that they made a difference. So it's, it's just wonderful what y'all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if, whether it's a personal reason why you participate or just wanting the, for the greater good. We have a new website, um, which is genemachine.info. And we, you know, when we put it together, well, and when I say we, Betsy put it together. But when she did it, we were thinking about, okay, the risks and benefits. We have to have a page. And one of the benefits is literally for the greater good. Because, you know, you, that story from 1997 and how you feel like you've impacted health research and medicine by being a participant, that, that, you can see that. Well, maybe you couldn't see it then, but you see it now. And that's what the seed that we're trying to plant. It's like, this could lead to discoveries maybe in 10 years. Like the DNA staying in that bank. I told you it's all locked mm-hmm. up here. Uh, but it's staying in that bank for my career. Yeah. And people give us different rights to use it for different studies and all this stuff. But that the DNA could help a discovery maybe even 30 years down the road. It's... Uh, yes, and... F- for me as a survivor, it's an overwhelming feeling mm-hmm. to be able to say I did my little tiny part mm-hmm. to try to help. So. That's amazing. I didn't know that story. Well, yeah. but that's the thing, though, isn't it? Just like all these tiny parts come together to make a huge difference. I mean, that's kind of the way it works, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just have one question about the website. Is there donuts on the background? <laughs> There can be if you get in touch with me. We'll, ah, we'll get that set up for nice. you. So. Maybe time for a redesign, Betsy. Uh, absolutely. Well, I told you she's techie. So Betsy and I, there's a there's a 20 years age gap between us. Could be us. her mother. But we're so, I, she, we're uh, like so. That's what she's trying to no, say in a really sweet way. No. I don't I'm like, it's the Betsy's best. like, you know what? I'm just going to go there. Well, I'm just I am there. because, can I tell you, I started working, well, this is just a total side and I'm, inter- I'm interrupting you, but it's like such a great story, a personal story for me was at 55, I was like, I'm done with clinical practice. Like, I cannot work in a hospital anymore. I've done this. So I've been a nurse for 30, almost 37 years. Wow. And, um, and so, and it was just, I was just felt like I had more to give, more to do. But I just was like, I have to have something fresh, something new. And so when Nancy, when I went to interview with Nancy and she was telling me all about the project and the travel, you know, like we could travel on this pink bus and meet people and all. And it just, it checked every single box of things that I've never been able to do 
as a hospital nurse because you you know you have 12 hours to get done what you need to mm-hmm. do and you don't you know there's not the time to sit uh-huh. and visit with somebody and really get to know them and 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 you know and help problem solve and help do some of the things that I've been able to do and so for that it's like I'm I will say every day that I am 20 years her senior and she hired she hired me like she saw value in me and it was a really it was a it was just an amazing thing so I was just I gonna say that, that we're soul sisters but well we know, are that, but, that, but we didn't discover that at, at the first meeting no we We've discovered that on the road oh, <laughs> yeah we had we you know Okay. It's a business, okay. and then we also have fun. <laughs> yeah. We, we do enjoy have fun. dinners and everything together, and yeah, playing pool. Playing pool, mm-hmm. yes, yes. She's much better at pool than I am. I'm not competitive <laughs> but, either. No, but <laughs> but anyway. back to her being techie, even being 20 years older, and you know, some people are like, oh, I don't know how to use Excel. I don't know how to do this. She goes deeper than that. Like she's brought constant contact into like all these different magical ways to mass communicate with people. Like we just had Tiger Giving Day, um, which was like a one day of giving on campus. And we've been fortunate to have a project for several years. And, you know, she's been able to like keep the records of all the donors over the few years and quickly now send like thank you emails or, and then the updates are sent through emails too, the G Machine updates. But for her to create the website the way she did, like I'm just she's more valuable than I think she realizes. No. Yeah. No, that's really um, I do not have a degree in, in communication or marketing. But you but know what? <laughs> to be a part I play of, one on, on, be part on of this group. TV. <laughs> <laughs> all I ask It's your hidden my, superpower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I just I all I say to my students and Betsy and staff, you know, is I just I want people to be curious. And I want people to enjoy coming to work every day, so I want that good environment, but curiosity, and that's what she has. Like, I don't have to micromanage, you know, Betsy or anybody, actually. It's like, go be creative, and this, that's the kind of stuff that she brings back to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and the website, especially for people who can't read, we've taped, we've done videos. So we're not a great at this, like, yeah, video taping. We, yeah, yeah now I visited your website. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. you, it's, it's all the videos. Yeah. yeah it's you great. know, and, 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 I'm, and I'm sorry, but the measure of a great video is does it communicate? It's like the technical aspects can be subpar, but it's like as long as people can watch it, get the information, and then make use of it. That's, it is yeah. it is it is a success. Oh, so well, don't don't be, don't beat yourself up. Oh, okay. <laughs> but especially in your arena where people can read it a hundred times and say what? Right. Exactly. You you talked to us that it was great. It was great, yeah. and it was very interesting and easy to understand. It was great. Well, and there again, I mean, obviously, you guys work at a university so you understand i would think even just to a small degree you know people have different learning styles you know they get information different ways it clicks some way for some people and some for not for others so the fact that you're actually doing that reaching across the board in different ways to make sure the information gets out there and gets received and gets understood kudos to you thank you well yeah betsy's actually this is kind of inspired i'll say inspired betsy to get a master's in adult education so she's actually doing that at the same time betsy wow i've got a son who's a senior and i am in grad school and then my daughter will be a freshman so we'll have three (laughs) three auburn uh students uh in one family at the same time so yeah 
Mm-hmm. War Eagle. Thank you. But you know what? That's you know that's you know a plug for Auburn. It's like that, and and Nancy too is is seeing the value um, in employees to be able to to allow us to to um, pursue. Um, further education and um, which you know not only enhances the job but it enhances me and it's you know because I am a curious person and poor Nancy I I think I told you early on I said well about every five years I got to do something different so I I get bored and I've got it you know and so every year she's like are you bored yet (laughs) are you bored yet and then it was last year I said I think I'm ready to go back to school because I was just and the boredom isn't from it's it's just wanting this to you know it's like being curious like I want so I like that I know what I'm doing and I like that we can keep adding to that but then it was like but you know we if we if I learn what I can about adult education then we can bring that and then we can like go and teach everybody in Alabama and and really help you know I've met people like Betsy before that I'll just say get bored with what they do I'm more like stable. I'm like this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know? But but in the but mean, it's a great mix. Yeah. Like it's such a perfect fit. But for her, I've also kind of I do things like especially like trying to get funding or trying to publish. You have to strategize, and even you have to strategize with like how you manage people. And like for Betsy, knowing that about her, it's like plugging that challenge in. It's like. I need I need you to go here now. I need you to do that. And she's like, looks at me and's like, no. Way. <laughs> yeah, I but say, then I, she's like, not bored. Yeah. And don't and don't yeah don't mis don't misread that look that you just of horror that just went across my face. It's just that I'm trying to figure out how to time manage that to you know yeah. that that other. You better thing. be careful. We're gonna sick Betsy on I you. <laughs> so there you go. Well, now if people are listening to the podcast and we know they will be is there a way that they can support you guys is there a way that they can say hey we want to come alongside you and do something to uh, to help your efforts is is there a way for them to do that yeah so you know whether it's from someone donating a sample and participating in the study that's amazing but yes we can also accept donations through the auburn university foundation um if um, so on our website, we have a link where people can donate. Um, but we also work closely with Auburn University Development. We would love to work closely with people to be able to actually get a new gene machine. Oh, the, you know, the gene machine, awesome. literally. It would be, it's 20 years old. It's a two, <laughs> I'm telling you. She's lost the brakes on that coming down, down a Birmingham. hill in Birmingham before. Oh, so it's, yeah. Oh, she's just, so oh, she's a good girl, but she's an old girl. And she's going to be in a museum, okay? We're not getting rid of her. And we, but but no in in reality we need a safer vehicle really on do. the road um so that's one thing but also all this gene screening that we do oh, yeah. like so research grants have to be hypothesis driven so if for people that don't do research a hypothesis is just a question and then you have to say what you predict um and so but for all this like the gene machine and the gene screening and reporting this back like there's no prediction. This is almost just like, this is what we want outreach. This is how we want to help. And so what we need is to find, like, we need separate money, like gene machine money to do our outreach and gene screening. And then we need the research grants to do the exploratory and the whole genome sequencing and all that stuff. So really, like, so community partners, outreach and study enrollment and gene screening is all this 
more so that side. Right. And, yeah, but we have not yet lucked into finding, like, you know, the huge... It's going to happen, though. Yeah. We, I, we have every faith. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully. And the website again is? GeneMachines.info. So Gene, J... G- <laughs> Allow me. I I, I'm the speller in the group. It's at G-E-N-E-M-A-C-H-I-N-E dot I-N-F-O. I know how to spell <laughs> So the funniest thing is one of our very first very unprofessional flyers had a pair of blue jeans on them. And my brain, when I was just about to spell it, went back to that flyer and I saw the jeans and I started spelling it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. You know, I was going to tell y'all um, uh, our screening program manager who talks actually talks to the nurses and talks to everybody to get uh, these folks mammograms and other screenings she and I have a little expression and I know it's good it's the same with y'all because we'll be have a rough day or we're tired or something and then a story will come along or a woman will come along or something will come along and we always look at each other and say okay we're going to go one more day. And y'all are sort of the same way. It's an exciting thing that you do. It helps in just just countless ways. And so to me, it would be sort of the same thing with y'all. If you're having a rough day, you look at each other and say, no, and something happens, good. Right. One more right. day. Right. One more mile. Or being <laughs> one more mile. Yeah. The or being able to connect somebody, you, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, having conversations on the phone always, you know, oh, let me tell you about a project. And then it becomes this other conversation. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes it's, it's a remarkable that sometimes it's just what that person needed yeah and which is then ultimately just what i needed and just what, uh, then sharing that with with our with our whole group you know our students who have come and i say our nancy students um i we it's you know we are we are a team and we're a family and we talk about that a lot we feel very familial um but they have come out on some of these recruitment events or these you know community events and uh they get the biggest charge out of it because they can, it's like what Sierra says, it's her, it's her why. Like, she gets now why she's lo- spending all the time learning what she's learning. Um, you know, Troy's figuring out all of these things about genetics and, and, like, just filling his brain so that he can help somebody in the future. And when you go to an event like that and you're like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. I'm seeing these connections. So it's not just about the, the, what we can do for the community, but what the community is doing for yeah. students and for future scientists. It's yeah. very exciting. Okay. And Dickie, you had another question? Yeah. Uh, uh, Betsy or Nancy, either one of you guys can answer this, but we didn't discuss the cost of doing this program for uh, the, uh, a person that may want to have the screening done. Yeah. So thanks for asking that. That's... Um, this costs nothing. So, yeah, 
it's our responsibility to find the funds to do the gene screening. And so, yeah, so anybody that participates in this study, um, it costs nothing. And actually, we just got ethics approval so that when someone enrolls in the study, we can give you a $20 gift certificate now. So you can make a little bit. Oh, actually. that's great. Yeah. So, so it does, it, you know, it's at no um, charge or no cost to the study participant, but um how much would you say it would cost to run one sample? So from so we our kits are about twenty dollars each, and they that's sixty dollars plus the mailing. So it's about a hundred dollars to leave that, in our office. That's the saliva kits themselves cost us twenty dollars a kit, and we send three kits or three saliva collection kits to a participant. Um, the gene screening costs around $300 per person just to do the hereditary cancer wow. genes. And then the genetic counseling is like $200 a session or so. And so it all adds up. Um, right. But yeah, but it's all free to people who participate. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're very thankful for donations. Like, for example, well, Tiger yeah. Giving Day, oh. we just raised, um, we've reached, our goal was 10000 and we went over our goal. I think it was 100 and how many percent? 48% or something like that. Oh. And it was but awesome. Basically, wonderful. all that money, though, I just got a quote for gene screening. The gene screening for 61 people was um, like roughly around $15,000. So we're going to provide gene screening reports to people, research reports to 61 people in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. That so, is fantastic. So that's what those donations do. That's great. Y'all should be proud of all that. I mean, that's a great service. It's unbelievable. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Betsy Stallworth, Nancy Mer- Dr. Nancy Merner, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fascinating. You. Thank you Thanks. so much. Thank you for and having us. And this was not as nerve-wracking as I thought. I well, really we try. <laughs> <laughs> it we, really was wonderful. Fantastic. We, we try to make you as nervous as possible. Obviously, <laughs> I'm off my game today. No, not you, at all. It's been amazing. wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for listening to Everything Joy to Life, a podcast of the Joy to Life Foundation and a production of Big Dreams Creative. For more episodes and to find out more about the life-saving mission of the Joy to Life Foundation, visit joytolife.org. That's J-O-Y-T-O-L-I-F-E.org. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm your host, Tommy Fields. My co-host, as always, is Joy Blondheim. And I want to thank her husband, Dickie Blondheim, for joining us on the phone. And our producer is Nancy Fields. And as always, we wish you health, happiness, and joy to life. And before we go, we want to thank our sponsors. Our community champion sponsor is Baptist Health, who exists to promote and improve the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of the people and communities it serves. Find out more at baptistfirst.org. And our Tier 1 marketing and social media promotion partners are the Alabama Department of Public Health's Cancer Prevention and Control Division and the ADPH Bureau of Prevention, Promotion, and Support. Find out more about them at alabamapublichealth.gov.